Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in to the LiveLakersNation.com post-game show. The Lakers just picked up their first win of the season. Finally, got it done. Took out the Memphis Grizzlies. Picked up a three-point victory. And man, that was a heart stopper. That was a stressful game. But in the end, the Lakers came up with the victory. A lot of big performances from the Lakers. I thought each of the big three had a solid night. Carmelo Anthony was impressive. We're going to break it all down here. As you can see, it's a solo show tonight. But like I always say, it's not really a solo show because it's me plus all of you. So if you're coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter, welcome. And I'm going to be taking your questions and comments as we navigate through this Lakers victory. Yes, that's right. It's been too long since we've been able to say that, but a Lakers victory. Here's the way this game broke down. Lakers win 121 to 118. John Morant went nuts. 40 points, 10 assists for him. 13 of 21 shooting, including five of seven from deep. Apparently, Jock can shoot threes now. My goodness, he had a night, but the Lakers were able to counter. The Grizzlies go very heavy with their starting five. They rely on them a lot. Everybody in their starting five went into double figures, just like last night when this Grizzlies team beat the Clippers. But the Lakers did counter with some really good performances across the board. Anthony Davis, 22 points, four blocks, eight boards, eight of 15 shooting, two clutch free throws in crunch time. LeBron James, 19, 6, and 6, plus two blocks and two steals. Solid performance from him, shooting eh, 7 for 19, but 4 of 9 from deep. And then Russell Westbrook, probably his best performance as a Laker, certainly his best regular season performance as a Laker. 5 for 15 shooting's not great, uh, but 13 assists, 7 rebounds, 4 steals for Russ to go along with 13 points. And then Carmelo Anthony, my goodness, we said there's going to be games when Carmelo Anthony shoots you out of the game. There's also going to be games when he shoots you into it. And tonight, fortunately, was the latter. Carmelo Anthony drops 28 points. 28, 10 for 15 shooting, 6 for 8 from deep from Melo. What a night for him. Three boards, one assist, one steal, two blocks. Lakers Nation, I'm going to go into the chat right now because I want to see what you guys have to say. Let me see what's going on. I've got a lot of people that are fired up about what's happening here. Uh, Darnell Baylor said, I said this in the offseason about replacing Morris to get Mello because Mello will hit those open shots that Morris couldn't hit consistently. Uh, that's, look, yeah, look, tonight, Carmelo Anthony was a major difference maker for the Lakers. Thank you, Darnell, for the super chat. Certainly appreciate it. Carmelo Anthony, quite the night for him. And you got to love it. You love seeing that kind of performance. I did have a little bit of issue with them in crunch time to get the, the win, potentially. They go to Carmelo Anthony in a post-up when you have LeBron and Westbrook and Anthony Davis all on the floor. Carmelo missed that shot. But again, I, that's minor. I'm not going to complain on this right now when Carmelo Anthony had such a great night. Overall, the shot was fallen. He moved up in the all-time scoring list. Great, great night from him. So impressive stuff there. And uh, yeah, look, tonight, having Carmelo Anthony on a better minimum contract certainly helped the Lakers. They don't get this win without him. They don't. They don't get the win. Davis Painter from YouTube with the Super Chat said, Bogle's a good defensive mind, but he pays no attention to the offense and seems to ignore teams standing in the paint. Look, th there's... I still have some issues with the offense. In particular, my, my big pet peeve is how often we see the two-man pick and roll on one side of the floor and then three guys just standing stagnant off ball. I want to see some off ball movement. But again, this is a win. We talk about focusing on process over result. But in the moment, we haven't seen a Lakers win since May. So I'm going to try to focus mostly on the positive for this show just because we kind of need it, right? Lakers Nation, we kind of need that positivity back. I think, and it's not even just us, I think the team needs the positivity. They needed to feel a win, and I want to see what this win does for them. But again, there's, there's, make no mistake, there's still a ways to go. There's a lot of things that they still need to work on, okay? But the end result in this certainly feels a lot better than what we saw the last two games. 
Kyle Roberts from YouTube, the super chat. Thank you. Said, so glad to get a win. Maybe we can string some together, but our defense is concerning. Definitely our three-point closeouts, giving up offensive rebounds. Yeah, the offensive rebounding battle, 18-9 to in favor of the Memphis Grizzlies. And uh, even when the Lakers had bigs out on the floor, they were still getting beat to offensive boards. Again, like I said, there's still problems, right? It's not, it's not like the skies have parted, everything's perfect, and the Lakers are going to steamroll to an NBA championship. No, it's a work in progress right now. Okay. Had they played this game against a better team that wasn't on the second night of a back-to-back -back like the Grizzlies were, it's possible they would have lost tonight. But again, there's been a lot of frustration in Lakers Nation. There's been a lot of people that have been upset. So let's take this moment before we nitpick all of the issues and things. And don't worry, we will get into that. And, you know, constructive criticism is fine. And, and basketball analysis is okay. We're going to break down those things. But let's just take a deep breath and take a moment to enjoy a Lakers win. <laughs> Somebody said, Austin Reeves is the new Caruso. Let's, I had planned to talk about Austin Reeves uh, in a little bit. I'd planned to talk about him in a little bit, but let's just talk about him right now. Again, I want to get into positivity, and I only got good things to say about Austin Reeves. What a, a nice night for him. Two for three shooting, three assists, four points. You look at his stat line, you go, eh, okay, he was all right. Plus 18. He was a plus 18 on the night. Second best plus minus on the entire team. Yeah, those of you who are saying he's the next Caruso, that was the Caruso deal, right? He was the plus minus king. But plus 18 on the night for Austin Reeves. And here's what really got me. Well, okay, there's a few things. 18 minutes in a game where the Lakers, as much as we want to say it's early in the season and the Lakers say they're not feeling the pressure or anything like that, they're not getting frustrated, let's face it, this team needed, needed a win. They needed to get a W. With that being the context, Frank Vogel felt comfortable enough to give him those minutes, and this is what shocked me. It didn't shock me that Frank Vogel gave him the minutes, right? That was a maybe a pleasant surprise to a degree, but you could kind of feel it coming, right? Every time we've seen Austin Reeves on the floor, he's been good. He's made a positive impact. Uh, no, he's not a superstar. He's not going to take over a game or anything like that, but he makes smart basketball plays, and that matters. He's plus 18 for a reason. He's able to make smart plays. Here's what really shocked me. That not only does Frank Vogel trust him enough to play him 18 minutes, that's significant minutes for a guy who wasn't drafted, right? 18 minutes in what is a pretty important game, he put him on Ja Morant. Did you guys see that defensively? I could not believe my eyes. Here we are, Ja Morant is blowing up. You've got Kent Bazemore, you've got Avery Bradley on this team, you've got some other defenders, and Frank Vogel had tried a few different guys, and he felt comfortable enough and believed in him enough to put Austin Reeves in the fourth quarter on Ja Morant. Now, it's not like, like Austin Reeves just locked him down, and then that was it, and, and Reeves played out. No, it, Reeves got subbed out after a few minutes, but these were crucial minutes. That tells you a lot. That tells you a lot about how Frank Vogel sees HBK, tells you a lot about how the other guys on the team see him, tells you a lot about what they've been seeing from day one for Frank Vogel to go in crunch time to say, stop this guy, or at least do a good job defending this guy that has been on a tear that is absolutely lighting us up. Austin, I'm going to trust you with that. That's, that is such a positive sign. I can't even exaggerate like how important that is for Austin Reeves and the confidence that the team has in him. That tells us that they're seeing great things out of him night after night after night and that they trust him, not necessarily to take over a game or anything, but just to make the right play and to make smart plays. And it doesn't matter if it's crunch time, doesn't matter if it's the first quarter, doesn't matter if it's preseason, summer league, regular season, they trust that he's going to make smart plays. And I think he did that tonight. And I even thought defensively, he was fine on John Morant. So, this was a great sign for Austin Reeves moving forward. Again, you look at the stat sheet and say four points, three assists in 18 minutes, meh, whatever, right? But in terms of the trust this team has in him, this is a really good thing moving forward. And I think even when guys get healthy, it's going to be awful hard to take these minutes away from him. All right, let me get back into the chat here. Uh, Mamba Mentality, my master lock is Baysmore. What are you doing fouling a three-point shooter? 
Agreed. On the first view, it didn't look like he touched him. And then on the second view, you could see he kind of reached his hand in there. That That's not a veteran play, right? If you're going to foul him, you foul him way before he gets into his shooting motion. Instead, Bazemore reaches a little bit, couldn't resist, reaches, hits him on the on the arm. And John Morant, if he'd hit that last free throw, there would be a lot of people really upset with Ken Bazemore right now. It was not a smart play, but he knew it right when it happened. Fortunately, it didn't cost the Lakers in this one. People mentioning why didn't Rondo play in this one? This was the plan going in. This was the plan going in was not for Rondo to play every single night. In fact, they talked about this during the offseason that Rondo came in knowing that he was not going to be an every single night player. So in this one, Frank Vogel decided to give more minutes to Austin Reeves and Rondo did not get those minutes. And it worked out just fine. I don't think Rondo is going to have a problem with that. Again, he came in knowing that he was not going to be an every single night player for this team and that he was going to be used elsewhere. Uh, I've got a question here from YouTube said, I love seeing Russ set screens for LeBron down the stretch, create a great action in the pick and roll. Would love to see more of that. Yeah. Did you notice that down the stretch? We saw almost exclusively LeBron Russ pick and roll with Russ being the screener. And I think that is a very smart play. It didn't always yield positive results, but I think moving forward, it's something you can continue to go to. Um, because you've got a ball handler. Russell Westbrook is a good passer. Like we, we saw that, right? So if he's rolling and you do hit him, he's athletic enough to finish in the paint, but he's also a good passer that can fire that pass out to a three-point shooter when that opportunity presents itself. Good enough ball handler to where if you're able to hit him on, on more of a short roll, he's going to be able to do something with it. So it's a smart play. If they do switch it, then you're getting a small on LeBron James and then he's going to annihilate them there uh, if they do switch. So this is something that I think makes a lot of sense for the Lakers to go to. I was glad to see that they did it. It didn't always yield great results. There were some turnovers and things like that. But for the most part, I thought it was a smart play offensively for uh, for the Lakers to go to. So I agree. I'm glad that you picked that one up. Uh, somebody said Malik Monk was good. Yeah, you know what? I thought Malik Monk also made some really nice plays tonight. Four for seven shooting, two for three from three, four assists, 12 points from him, plus 19. The only person to have a higher plus minus than Austin Reeves was Malik Monk. And I'll tell you what, I liked that Malik Monk as a cutter was a weapon, right? Like you saw him a few times make smart cuts. Now, he's not big. He's not very big as a player. And so you saw when he did cut to the basket, he was instantly thinking my shot's going to get blocked when he was at the rim. Somebody's going to come flying in. And so he usually wound up kicking the ball back out, but he's at least making those cuts, recognizing when the defense isn't reading what he's doing and he's making that cut, collapsing them and then firing it back out, hit some big shots again, two for three from deep. And I thought defensively he was better than we've seen tonight. Part of this is the Memphis Grizzlies. We talk about this all the time. The best teams in the NBA, when you make a mistake, those mistakes will stick out like a sore thumb because the best teams will recognize that mistake and they will score on you most of the time. They will recognize it and they will capitalize on that and they'll get themselves an open look because of that mistake. Memphis is not in that top tier. Memphis is good. Memphis is good. I think they're better than they were last year. Clearly, they're a young team. They're up and coming. They're not a pushover. No question. They're 2-0 and coming into this game. They're a good team. Okay, but they're not that top, top tier team. They're still a very young team. John Moran is incredible, but they're still a very young team. And so what that means is that they will let you get away with some mistakes. So the Lakers defense was able to make a few mistakes here and there, whereas the Suns would have punished them for that. The Golden State Warriors would have punished them for those mistakes and scored on them in those situations. But I will say that Monk overall looked better defensively, I think, tonight than he did the last two games. And so that was great to see. And then you had the added benefit of, a few of the mistakes that were made kind of being covered up by the fact that it was gri the Grizzlies and not like a top tier team like the Suns are or, uh, or the Golden State Warriors have the ability to be. Okay, but he was he was great. Loved the three-point shooting that he brought in, especially when the Lakers were really struggling to hit from behind the arc. They went to him and he was able to knock in some shots and give them some floor spacing. So great stuff from him tonight. Uh, Anthony Diaz said, Trevor, when is our good three-point shooter, uh, Wayne Ellington, going to come back? I don't know. And here's my thing. Here's my thing. I don't know when uh, Ellington's going to get on the floor when he is healthy. To me, it's a 
Ellington or Monk situation. I don't think you can play both of them at the same time. If you do, it better be with LeBron, Bazemore, and Anthony Davis because around them, you're going to need so much defensive support. I don't know that you can put them both on the floor at the same time, at least not for any long stretches. And Monk just had a really nice game. So let's say Wayne Ellington has been dealing with a strained hamstring, but it's getting better. Let's say he's good to go next game. Next game, Lakers head to San Antonio. If he's good to go next game, how many minutes does he realistically get? Didn't shoot the ball that well in preseason, but we know he's got a long career of hitting those shots. But if it's me, if I'm Frank Vogel, and I'm thinking, man, I need to bring in a shooter off the bench. Am I taking away Malik Monk's minutes after this performance? No, no, I'm not. Am I taking away Austin Reeves' minutes after what he did tonight? No, definitely not. So even when Wayne Ellington is healthy, does he get in? Like Taylor Horton Tucker, if he was healthy, he brings a different dynamic that the Lakers don't already have. So I think you, you find minutes for him. Trevor Ariza brings you a different dynamic that you don't already have. Wayne Ellington is a similar skill set to Malik Monk. And Monk just had a really strong showing. So he'll be a guy that you can lean on at some point. I'm not saying they're never going to play him again. But if he's healthy next game, does he immediately get put into the rotation? I don't know. I don't know if that's something that we would see right away. I do believe we will see him again. He's not hes not benched forever, banished or anything like that. But I don't think the Lakers will be in some great here, hurry to throw him into game situations right as he comes off this injury. All right, let's get into our awards. And the first one I'm going to do, I love this. I love this. We're going to do the 360 award. The best star of the night. Was it uh, Anthony Davis? Was it LeBron James? Was it Russell Westbrook? 360-360. What I love about this so much is that I could pick whichever player I pick here. You guys in the chat, you could tell me the answer that's not right. You could tell me the answer is this guy or the answer is that guy. No matter who you pick, you can make an argument for that player. That's a good night. That's a good night when you can make a real argument for which player. In fact, through three quarters, I thought it was going to be Russell Westbrook. I thought it was going to be Russ who, who was getting it because he was dropping all those dimes. And I think you can still make a strong argument for it to be Russell Westbrook. And then you look at LeBron James, six boards, six assists, two steals, two blocks. Who had the ball in crunch time when it was time to win the game? It was LeBron James. But I'm going with Anthony Davis. I'm going with AD, and I know some people are still getting on Anthony Davis's case, but eight boards, 22 points, two assists, four blocks. How many big-time blocks did Anthony Davis make? Did you see DeAnthony Melton think he was going to dunk all over Anthony Davis, and AD just said no, kind of laughed at him, blocked the shot, the big block on John Morant in crunch time as well, making that play with Steven Adams. Ultimately, the ball went uh, back to the Memphis Grizzlies, but caught that thing like a wide receiver. Looked like he had the interception there to get a key turnover. Anthony Davis defensively was a monster in this one. This was the Anthony Davis that we've been looking to see. And I thought that he was really good tonight. And then hitting those clutch free throws for me, that sealed it. That got Anthony Davis the 360 award for me. But again, chat, if you want to tell me, Trevor, you're wrong. It's LeBron. Trevor, you're wrong. It's Russell Westbrook. You can make an argument for any of them, and that is the beauty part of tonight. Uh, somebody said, I, I'm nervous. They don't look dominant to me. Again, it's it's a process. It's growing. It's a, it's growth. Bad Dog Sports from YouTube. So, Trev, what do the Lakers have to do to clean up the glass? They got killed on second chance points every single game. Yeah, agreed. They uh, they really did. They've gotten beat on second chance points each night. It's become a concern. This was a concern from game one of the preseason. We literally talked about it the first game of preseason, uh, the second chance points, the offensive glass, and why that's been such an issue. And I think part of this is the lack of true wings. How many times do we see the Lakers still? They've got one big on the floor. It's Anthony Davis. And then if LeBron's not out there, it's Anthony Davis and four guards, essentially. Ken Bazemore is 6'4", and the Lakers have him playing mostly the three quite a bit, except for in the starting lineups, which we'll get into the starting lineup as well. But you've got Ken Bazemore at 6'4". You've got Avery Bradley at 6'2". I mean, Carmelo Anthony gives you a little bit of size, but is he a really intimidating rebounder? No, and again, I'm not saying anything bad about Melo tonight. He had a great night, but rebounding is not really his 
Forte, I thought he had a great offensive board and put back to help seal the win for the Lakers, but he's not a guy who's going to go out there and get you a ton of rebounds or box out everybody or anything like that. That's not really his thing. So when the Lakers go, uh, when they go smaller, they're really small. They, you can still have a big on the floor like Dwight, but for example, tonight we saw Dwight would be out there, AD would be out there, and Xavier Tillman would be the center out there for the Grizzlies. And you think, okay, well, the Lakers are matched up pretty big there, right? Dwight to Xavier Tillman, Dwight's, you know, Dwight's a big dude. And I think that works out just fine for the Lakers. But then you look at the rest of the positions and the Lakers were at a size disadvantage. Kyle Anderson, he's just a bigger wing player. You know, even, even Desmond Bain, even Desmond Bain is a big dude, right? He's, he's just physically powerful and he's there too. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. at the four, not a great rebounder, but he's certainly long and he can create some havoc in there as well. Other teams just seem to have more size on the wings and that's creating problems because those guys are crashing in and grabbing offensive boards. So I think part of this is the Lakers need some more size on the wings and that they'll get a little bit of when THT and Trevor Ariza can come back. Obviously, it's a bit of a wait for that. But until then, it's got to be a team gang rebound mentality. You've got to keep other teams off the glass, the Grizzlies. Again, if the Lakers had gotten the offensive boards under control, the Lakers cruised to a win here, but they gave up 18 offensive rebounds. That's way too many second chance opportunities. In fact, to give you an idea of how bad it was in, in regards to that, the Grizzlies, the Lakers turned the ball over 18 times. That's a lot, but the Grizzlies turned it over 17. The Grizzlies got 100 shots up in this game. 100 shots. That's ridiculous. 100 shots and the Lakers took 84. 16 more shots. The Grizzlies took 16 more shots and the Lakers won. There's not a lot of games that you're going to win with that being the shot differential. So that's something that does have to get cleaned up. It's something to watch moving forward. They are just going to have to be a little bit more aware of it. They've got to be a little bit more physical in the paint. They've got to be better with their box outs. But again, we've been saying that for weeks. Hopefully it's something that they can really take to heart because it almost cost them this one. Fortunately, it didn't. But again, you can't give up 18 offensive rebounds to an opposing team. All right. Somebody said the Grizzlies tempo was insane. So was the Lakers. The Lakers have been playing an extremely fast pace. They were second in pace in preseason. I imagine they're probably up there at the top right now. If we went and checked, the Lakers are playing at a super fast pace as well to the point where sometimes I wonder if some of the turnovers would be taken away if they slowed down the pace a little bit. They were pretty sloppy to start the game, but it's a matter of finding that comfort zone. Uh, Russell Westbrook talked about this the other day, talked about how on one hand, he's got to get comfortable with the rest of the team, but the entire team has to be comfortable with the speed at, that they're playing at, has to be comfortable with his speed. And there's sometimes when that's been, when that hasn't been a problem, sometimes where it's looked really good, the number of passes Russ had into the paint tonight, where he was able to hit a big, whether it was DeAndre Jordan or Anthony Davis or whoever, where he was able to just put pressure on the Grizzlies, but before they were ready for it, that pass is flying into the paint and the Lakers are getting a bucket. That's progress there, but we also saw moments where the person supposed to catch that pass was not quite ready because it was coming quicker at a quicker pace than what they were expecting. So it's a learning experience here, but I do think that overall the pace got better with Russell Westbrook tonight. All right, let's get into this one. Somebody, somebody's talked about Carmelo Anthony. Let's get into the next award, the next man up award. You guys know who it is. There's no, there is no debate. I like the nights where there's some debate, but I really like tonight too, where it's so obvious. The next man up, the non-superstar player that really made an impact, Carmelo Anthony. Again, 28 points. My goodness, Melo. Moved up on the all-time scoring list, 10 for 15, 6 for 8 from deep. Tremendous night for Carmelo Anthony. Now, again, there, there will be nights where he shoots you out of games, but the nights like tonight are the nights where you go, yes, this is why the Lakers got him. In fact, Frank Vogel even trusted him defensively down the stretch, which, look, Melo has his flaws defensively, but he was going tonight. He really had it working, and it was great to see. Again, he winds up leading the Lakers in scoring tonight off the bench. Tremendous performance from him. Again, don't expect this every single night, but when you get this kind of a game from him, 
you gotta cherish it because this was a throwback performance for Carmelo Anthony. He was absolutely phenomenal. They do not win this game without him. He was making tough shots, hitting threes. I love him as a floor spacer. I think he's a strong enough shooter from the perimeter to where teams really have to scramble to get out to him. And even if they do, he's big enough to where he can shoot over the top of closeouts. And we saw that a few times tonight as well. Great, great performance for Carmelo Anthony. I mentioned it earlier, but even grabbed an offensive board on a Russell Westbrook drive in crunch time and got the putback to give the Lakers a bigger lead. Big, big plays from Melo all night long. Tremendous stuff from him, and you just love to see it. Uh, Akuta Bavadas from YouTube said, was it just me or did our energy look amazing tonight? I also get the feeling everyone is starting to adapt to a faster speed and the defense looked better tonight too. What did you think? Yeah, I think the energy was better. I think the energy was a little bit more of a sense of urgency. Like it had a more of a sense of urgency to it where the Lakers went, this is, no, we're not letting this one slip away. This is our chance to finally get the monkey off our back here and get a win right? That's what they've been looking for. No wins in preseason, 0-2 in the first two games of the regular season, whether they say, oh, we're not really frustrated. I mean, look, they're, they're going to say that because they're professionals, but they had to be at least a bit frustrated. This has got to feel good to finally get a win. And it felt like there was a sense of, no, not tonight. We are not losing this game. We're getting this win and we're moving forward. And the Lakers played with that kind of urgency. Now, there's still some moments where I thought they spent a little too much time complaining to the referees and things like that. Didn't get back defensively, but those were much more few and far between. Overall, I thought the defensive effort was there. Anthony Davis in particular was great defensively in terms of flying around the court, blocking shots. He looked more like Anthony Davis defensively from a couple of years ago. Remember when Anthony Davis was the guy who would make big defensive stops. Seems like whenever it was crunch time, LeBron would hit a big shot, but it was Anthony Davis who would make the big defensive play. That was the Anthony Davis that we got tonight. Uh, Dominant Media 2 from YouTube said, Carmelo was so good, maybe he should get the 360 award. Yeah, maybe he should, but then we'd have to rena rename it. The 3,607 award or something, or something like that. But he was great tonight. He was absolutely great. And uh, again, love seeing him play so well. Uh, people saying the defense is still a concern. Look, again, again, this is a work in progress, but tonight's a good night. I thought there was significant improvement defensively. I thought there was significant improvement offensively. Grizzlies are good. John Morant is tearing people up. Look, John Morant is going to, and the Grizzlies, they're going to get up for this game, right? They, they played the Clippers last night and they won. Second night of a back-to-back -back in LA, but this is a very young team. It's the beginning of the season. It's not the same as the second night of a back-to-back -back in February when your legs are already tired. You play one game and then you got to play again the next night. It's the beginning of the season. They still have pretty fresh legs and they know the eyeballs are on them, right? We've seen that effect. We've seen that for years and years and years where teams get up to play the Lakers because they know everybody's watching. Most likely, most likely tonight's game is going to have more eyeballs on it than any Grizzlies game throughout the course of the season. Right. That's just and that's not I'm not trying to speak ill of the Grizzlies or anything like that. I think they're a very exciting, very fun, young, up and coming team. They're a team that I try to catch on League Pass whenever I can, because I really do like this team a lot. But reality is the Lakers are going to bring in eyeballs and the Grizzlies played like, hey, we've got something to prove tonight. We've got something to show off tonight. Right. To show everybody that we're for real and we're going to beat this team. And they came in with that kind of energy and that kind of mentality and credit to them. They really went all out and the Lakers had to match that energy and it was great to see them rise up to that challenge. So again, the Grizzlies are not a top tier team in the NBA, but they did come in with a lot of energy. And even if you thought the Lakers had some flaws in their games, and I'm sure they would absolutely admit that they still do have a lot of flaws. The bottom line is that they were able to get the win and they made improvements in a lot of areas, made improvements defensively, got big stops down the stretch, made improvements in terms of the outside shooting. We saw some more open looks, and we saw them knock down those looks. On the night, the Lakers shot 53% from three. Now, is that sustainable? No, but it feels good to see them shoot that well, given all the shooting problems that they have had, including last year. So, it was a good night, and I think we just need to leave it at that. Um, yes, there's concerns. Yes, there's things that we can look at and analyze.
but big picture, the Lakers took care of business tonight. And I think that was important for them to finally get one here. Uh, Marvin Batista said, hey, Trev, I disagree with your 360. Awesome. Mello and Davis couldn't get those scores if Westbrook didn't play good today. I reckon if we could have won tonight, once we couldn't have won today if he didn't play this good. Hey, again, I agree. I, I think you could make a solid argument for each of the three players that they all have a good argument to be the star tonight, the star of the Lakers' big three. So if you want to say it's Westbrook, I, again, it's so close in this one that, yeah, can't blame you for picking somebody else. Somebody said, why is LeBron hitting or shooting so many threes? Because he's been hitting them. Because he's been hitting them. I mean, tonight, four for nine, and uh, and he's been knocking those in. So he's been been shooting them. And if you look at, LeBron is a very cerebral player, right? So you look at the last three games so far in the regular season. He's shooting 50% from three on the season right now. Four for nine tonight, five for nine last game. First game of the season, five for 11. So LeBron James is a very cerebral player. You look at the starting five they've been putting out there, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But DeAndre Jordan, Anthony Davis, Kent Bazemore, Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, who's the best shooter out of that group? It's LeBron. So if he's not shooting those threes, who is? And if he's not shooting those threes, what defense is going to bother defending on the perimeter? Now, the Grizzlies still pack the paint because that's what you do against the Lakers. You pack the paint and you make them beat you from outside. But I think LeBron is recognizing that, hey, I've got to take these shots because defenses aren't going to be worried about getting out to AD right now until he shows that he can consistently knock those down. They're not going to be worried getting out to, say, Kent Bazemore as much unless it's a, a corner three. Maybe they will. Or if he continues to shoot like we saw in uh, in some of these games where he shoots a decent percentage. They're certainly not getting out to Russell Westbrook. I think LeBron recognizes that in the starting unit and most of the time on the floor, he's one of, if not the best shooter. So he's got to take those shots. And I think that's a factor here and why we're seeing him take more of them. And again, right now, shooting threes at a 50% clip, that's a winning proposition. Keep taking them. As long as you're shooting that well, keep taking them because that's that's great teams would kill to have somebody shoot that well again that's not that's not sustainable but he's shooting that shot very well right now so i think that you've got a couple of things he's making them and i think he also recognizes that the team needs him taking and making those shots uh Avi B from YouTube, the super chat said, Russ looks atrocious, lack of focus on defense, spacing, turnovers, complaining after every missed wild layup. It's exhausting to watch. How does LeBron utilize him? Uh, the complaining after poor plays, uh, plays where they thought, and he's not the only one who does this. They thought there was a foul, then staying behind the play to complain. Look, that kind of stuff drives me crazy too. I hope that's something they can eliminate. But again, I thought this was progress from Russell Westbrook tonight. I think we saw a Russ who was not... Um, as focused on getting everybody else going, he was more initially focused on getting the attention of the defense and then making the pass. Rather than making the pass, hoping it would be there, he waited until that pass was really there and then threw it. And he was on the money. He was on target with most of his passes tonight. He really passed a few guys open and that was great to see, you know, and he was aggressive looking for his own shots as well when he had to be. But when he first started off the game passing a lot, he was at least driving a bit and penetrating and getting people to focus on him and then making that pass once it was clear that the attention was elsewhere rather than just throwing the pass that he thought was going to be open. So I thought that was a nice change from him. And then he went on that stretch where he scored, what, nine points straight? And that was at a point where the Lakers really needed him to do that. LeBron was out and he was the guy on the floor and he knocked in nine points in a row and that helped kind of keep the Grizzlies at bay because they started to get hot at that point as well. And so that was a big, big moment for Russ to step up as a scorer. Now, yes, he airballed that jumper late in the game. It was very clear. He just tightened up on it. That was not great. There were some moments that were not fantastic from him, but overall, I thought tonight was a much better night from Russell Westbrook than any of the other ones that we've seen. Uh, again, the turnovers, not good there. Nine turnovers, right? That's not good. But I think overall tonight, he was a better version of Russell Westbrook than we've seen lately. Get those turnovers under control, and we're a lot more happy. All right. 
Let's do a few more. We do need to get to the master lock of the night as well. All right. Francesca Allen said, why isn't Dwight starting? So let's talk about this. Let's talk about this because this was when the Lakers announced their starting lineup. Lakers nation kind of went ballistic, right? You saw it on social media. Everybody was saying, why is DeAndre Jordan in the starting lineup? We saw it. And Frank Vogel, uh, yesterday, I believe it was, said they're continuing to evaluate the starting lineup. He did say that with his analysis of the starting five to this point, what he saw in terms of the good things and the bad things, he saw bad things, but bad things that were fixable. And so that was key. He said he didn't see things that were not fixable, things that were just, oh, we just simply can't play with this group on the floor. This guy's too big, too slow. This doesn't work. And we're going to have to change things. He said he saw things that were problems, but fixable problems. They prefer to have Dwight come in the start of the second quarter. Anthony Davis brings a lot of defensive presence. He's flying all over the court. He's got that. He's big, but he's got that spring to him. And Dwight kind of has that too. To a lesser degree, Dwight is not nearly as defensively versatile as Anthony Davis, but he has that as well. And so that's why when AD plays the entire first quarter, it's a natural switch to then put in Dwight to replace him. And so that's the way the Lakers like to use Dwight Howard. So if you're looking at the starting five and you say, look, DeAndre Jordan, he simply can't be in there anymore. And you look at tonight and maybe you can make that argument. He was a minus 15 in 14 minutes. Uh, I thought the Lakers looked a lot better when he was off the floor. I understood why matchup wise, you probably want him against Steven Adams, but I thought he was getting beat uh, a few times out there. And, you know, he grabbed eight boards, three blocks. That's, that's nice. Had a really nice block uh, on Jaron Jackson Jr., so he wasn't useless, but it did feel like the Lakers were a lot quicker on the floor. They were a lot more versatile when he was not on there. So Frank Vogel left the door open to change that. Frank Vogel did say that they're still evaluating things. That doesn't mean he's not going to change it in the future, but he pretty strongly hinted that tonight he would continue this starting lineup. Maybe that changes next time around, but I think if we do see a change, it will be another wing into the starting lineup. Maybe they make this change when Taylor Horton Tucker comes back. Somebody else will join the starting lineup. Anthony Davis will be the five and Dwight will still come off the bench in the second quarter because they like him there. They like the energy that he brings and it's a natural transition from AD going out to Dwight coming in. So I think that's probably what you're going to see. I don't know if we're going to see that next game, particularly since the Lakers just won. I don't know if that's a switch they're going to make right now. DeAndre Jordan, he could just be a starter in name only where you just play him a few minutes just to kind of eat up some, some time and then you make that switch. But I thought tonight they were better without him on the floor than they were with him. Leon Antonio, Bazemore's starting spot is gone when THT and Ariza get back. That's possible. You know, I like the energy that Bazemore puts in defensively. But four fouls tonight, 11 points, two for two from deep. That's great. He hit some actually pretty important threes for the Lakers. He got lit up by John Moran. But to be fair, a lot of people would get lit up by John Moran. He was absolutely tremendous. So to say he didn't do a good job defensively on John Moran, how many guys in the league would have done a good job tonight on John Moran? Not many. Certainly not anybody that you can have on a veteran minimum deal like uh, like Ken Bazemore is. I think his defensive energy is something the Lakers can use and it's important. And I do think he's probably a guy who most likely sticks in the starting five. But if THT shows that his jumper is there and with, look, surgery on his shooting hand, I don't know what that what kind of effect that's going to have. And if he can bring the kind of defensive energy that Ken Bazemore can bring, he's a much, much more high ceiling player than Bazemore is. So it's possible that THT takes over that role from Bazemore, but we'll see what THT looks like when he gets back. I think Bazemore's defense is something that wins him over with Frank Vogel. And it makes sense because when you're looking at guys you want to put alongside Westbrook, LeBron, Anthony Davis, Vogel has said this, he's looking for two things, guys who can hit threes and guys who can play defense. And I think in terms of perimeter defense, Bazemore is probably the best one that they've got. Again, he's not perfect. Probably the best one they've got, though. And he's been knocking in his threes when he's been wide open and he's been able to shoot them. So I don't see him losing those minutes right now. That was a dumb mistake in terms of fouling John Morant. But 
again, I think that defensively, he's at least solid there on the perimeter, and the Lakers need help at that. Somebody said, so Bradley is not a good defender, Trev. No, I think Bradley is a very good defender. I also think Bradley is a good defender that you can rely on as well. So if you want to make the argument that Bradley should be starting in front in front of Bazemore, okay, sure, you can make that argument. But again, Bradley's the, the new guy coming in. He's gotten some minutes, maybe a little bit by surprise in a few situations, but I don't think you just take away Bazemore's job. Like, has Bradley been that much better than Bazemore defensively and offensively? I can't go there. So I don't think it's something where you take away Bazemore's minutes and just give them to Bradley. I like Bradley a lot. He's a good defender. I think he's got a role on this team, but I'm not replacing Bazemore in the starting five for him at this moment. Andre Perry said they should have re-signed Alex Caruso. Look at, you know, that's, that's gone, right? That it's something that they could have done. Ultimately, they decided it was too expensive. He would have been a nice fit. I, I'm disappointed too, but it's water under the bridge at this point. All right. Nicholas Combs from Facebook said, Russ and LeBron need to be on the court opposite whenever possible. So I'm assuming that you're saying you want Le Russell Westbrook on the floor when LeBron is not and vice versa. And yeah, that makes sense. And I think Frank Vogel will indeed look to do that. Try to stagger them a bit so you can really utilize their skills so that when LeBron is out, you can say, okay, Russ, now you can really go do your thing. And when Russ is out, LeBron is the one running the show. And I think it does help to buy some minutes. Like again, Russell Westbrook, when he scored nine points with LeBron James on the bench, that's what the Lakers have been missing. That's what they've lacked for a few years now. Every time LeBron's gone to the bench, the team has fallen apart. And tonight, Russ was able to help stem that tide. Now, again, it wasn't a perfect game. The turnovers were a bit rough for him. But, again, he did have a pretty nice performance overall, I thought. I thought this was a step forward for him. We'll see what happens next game. But I do like the idea of staggering the two of them because I think it helps you maximize their abilities. All right, let's do a few more. We do need to get into the Master Lock of the Night as well. Charles Weldon Jr. said, Trevor, what happened to James Ennis? Can we still sign him? No, that's that's gone. The Lakers have used their 15th roster spot now on Avery Bradley. In theory, look, Bradley has a non-guaranteed contract. So does Austin Reeves. I don't think either one's going anywhere. But in theory, the Lakers could waive one of them and pick up. Um, they could pick up Ennis if they wanted to. If they wanted. But again, I don't see them going that route. Somebody said, where will none fit? So I think none is a guy that's going to be, we saw the Rondo minutes alongside Bazemore at first. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, it's alongside Westbrook at first in the first game. I think those are none minutes. So in that second unit, when it was Westbrook, Rondo, Mello, Malik Monk, and then you had, I think it was Anthony Davis out there. We saw that in game one. I think those Rondo minutes would wind up going to none uh, Reeves got them tonight. HBK did. And I think he will continue to play a role, but maybe he eats into somebody else's minutes somewhere and you can use him more as maybe a two, three. None's going to get his minutes. He got paid, right? He got the, the mini minimum level exception. He's not back for a few weeks though, from that bone bruise. So who knows what things are going to look like at that point. By then we may say, okay, this guy's really played his way out of minutes or this guy's so good that you can't really move him off the floor. We'll see what things look like at that point. But I know none is a guy that they were really counting on to do some big things for them. So I think they will find a role for him. They'll find some minutes for him. Maybe it's alongside Westbrook. Maybe it's Westbrook isn't on the floor quite as much and you're able to put in none for, for a spell. There's a lot of different ways to go with it. But bottom line is that if you're trying to find minutes for none and there's other guys that are doing well too, that's great. That's a good problem to have. It's much better than, oh my gosh, please get back Kendrick Nunn because these guys that are on the floor are not getting it done at all. Right, The issue the Lakers have right now is Malik Monk just played well. Austin Reeves is playing great. You're not taking their minutes away. So where do you get the minutes from? It's a great problem for Frank Vogel to have. (laughs) 
somebody said, Skip Bayless can't talk too much garbage tomorrow. He probably will find a way still, but that's his shtick again. Um, third quarters have been a problem. Yeah, that's something that needs to, needs to, uh, we'll see if that's, if that, uh, sticks. If third quarters continue to be an issue for the Lakers first three games, they definitely have been. Hopefully that won't be a continuing trend, but again, we're only three games in. So we've got to remember that it's an 82 game season and we're three games in. We're still looking at a tiny sample size. Uh, Kevin from YouTube, after watching three games, what or who types of player do you think the Lakers need most? Big wings. I think they need big wings, guys who could, in theory, float between the four and the three. I think that's what they're lacking right now. I think that's why Trevor Reza being out as long as he is, is a, is a real detriment to the team. I thought that was a, something they were lacking heading into the season, though, too. And I think it's part of the reason why we're seeing some of these offensive rebounding issues that they're having, because they just don't have those big wings. If the two bigs cancel each other out, the rest of the other team's roster is oftentimes bigger than the Lakers because they're running guys who are really more twos at the three. And so you're giving up size at other spots. So I still think a three, four, probably more towards the four side. I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, Markeith Morris, right? Um, they've got Carmelo Anthony to fill that role right now. And that certainly helps. But again, he's not a major rebounding force out there for you. You need somebody who's going to kind of be more of a three and D do the dirty work type of guy to complement Carmelo's scoring that he can bring you as well. So is that guy out there? I don't know. I know a lot of people will say, okay, well, Siku Numboya, maybe he's somebody, but he's on a two-way contract at the moment. I don't know when he'll get a look. If he will, we'll have to see what's going to happen there, but that's probably what the Lakers are lacking the most right now. Uh, Trevor, do you think Ariza will get a lot of playing time when he's ready to suit up for the Lakers? I think they will um, bring him along slowly. Coming off an ankle surgery, you got to make sure that he's fully healthy and good to go. You don't just, hey, I'm good today. I, I, you know, I just had ankle surgery and now I'm fine. Okay, cool. Here's 35 minutes to a 36-year-old Trevor Ariza. That's not what's going to happen. You're going to see more spot minutes early on. But I do think that he was a big part of this before the injury. I think he was a big piece of their plans. And those plans changed a lot when Ariza and THT got hurt. The Lakers really had to scramble. And I think that's part of the reason why we've seen so much sloppiness. It's because they had clearly planned and schemed and drilled, planning on having those guys there. And now suddenly they're not. And you've got other people having to step in and fill those roles that aren't as capable of filling those roles, of being that kind of bigger player on the wing. So I do think they will need him, but I just don't think it's the kind of thing where they're going to, throw him into the deep end immediately coming off of ankle surgery. When do the injured guys return? Wayne Ellington could be back. He could be back next game. All we've heard is that he's making progress with that hamstring strain. Uh, could be after the, the little mini road trip here. We'll just have to wait and see. Hamstrings are tricky, but it does sound like he's more of a days, not weeks guy. So pretty soon, uh, Taylor Horton Tucker is weeks. I believe it's now about three weeks till he gets reevaluated. Same thing with Kendrick Nunn. We're looking at two to three weeks before he gets reevaluated. Hopefully the reevaluation comes in. Everything's good to go. And they say, okay, well, we're going to give him another week or so in practice to kind of work back in. And then we'll start playing them in games. So hopefully that's the case. And the reevaluation doesn't show that they need more timeout. And then Ariza, we're probably looking at about six-ish weeks at this point before he gets reevaluated, and then maybe he can make his return. So unfortunately, we're still at the weeks stage for three of those guys. Wayne Ellington is more of a days guy. We're probably days away from Wayne Ellington being back. The other guys, still weeks. Ariza, probably closer to a couple months. And, uh, and none as, as well being one of those weeks guys. Uh, Lawrence Kristoff said, Trev, what are your thoughts on the fire Vogel comments? We won with this man, but people are still calling for his head. Anytime, and this isn't unique to basketball, anytime something goes wrong in sports, the first uh, scapegoat is typically the coach, right? That's usually what people turn to first as the problem. And if you've been a Lakers fan for long enough, you know, that's just kind of the way it goes. For a while, it was Mike D'Antoni. 
and it was Mike Brown and it was and it was Luke Walton was the problem for a while or no it was it was Byron Scott was the problem and and then it's Luke Walton is is the problem and I I mean I remember vividly people saying Mike D'Antoni is the problem the Lakers don't play any defense oh thank goodness we've got Byron Scott now the Lakers will finally play defense they're gonna man up because Byron Scott is a defense first coach and then People got tired of Byron Scott real fast, too, and they said, man, this team's terrible. Byron Scott is the problem. Why is he still the coach? He needs to go. Okay, Luke Walton, he is going to be, he's the next bright young mind in the NBA. He's going to bring in new ideas, new schemes. Everything's going to be great. He can relate to the players. That soured pretty quick, too. It's just, it, what it's what happens, right? When things aren't going well, we tend to look at the coach. Because we look at the decisions. We look at who's on the floor. That's the easy thing is, is to say, why is that guy playing? I don't like that player. I'd rather see this player in there. Coach, you're doing this wrong. Frank Vogel is a very good defensive coach. That doesn't mean he's a great coach, especially offensively, right? We know that he's got some shortcomings there. The Lakers offense has looked fairly stagnant for his entire tenure. But he's also a very good defensive coach. So you take the good with the bad. Frank Vogel is very good in terms of relating to the media, which is actually a pretty big part of the coach's job. In terms of putting messages out there publicly, taking the blame for the players, saying, putting it on himself, he says what you're supposed to say when you're a coach. He also is very good at making sure that players' voices are heard. And not everyone will be like that. And on a LeBron James-led team with Anthony Davis, with Russell Westbrook, with these stars that have so much power, it's pretty important that you've got a coach that doesn't feel like his has to be the only voice in the room. In fact, he does not want that. He wants everybody to have a voice. And that philosophy is important too. There's things that Frank Vogel does very, very well. But again, when there's struggles on the floor, that's usually the knee-jerk reaction is, it's the coach. If somebody else was coaching, everything would be better. Sometimes changing the coach make, makes a big difference. Look at the Hawks last year. Look at what happened with the Atlanta Hawks. Sometimes it makes a difference. But sometimes the grass isn't greener on the other side. It's something we have to keep in mind and we have to consider. Yes, Frank Vogel won a championship with the Lakers. Last season, didn't have a healthy team, didn't get to see what they could really do together. And so now he's on a bit more of the hot seat. You look at the Lakers. They only gave him a one-year contract extension. People are going to be looking at him if things don't go well this season. And he's been given a tough task. This is, in terms of individual talent, the worst defensive team he's been given as a Lakers coach. Right, And this is a defense-first head coach, and the Lakers have said, well, here you go, coach. You're a great defensive coach, so you're going to figure this out. You're going to make it work. You're going to make these guys better defenders. It's a big challenge for them. Okay? And in a lot of ways, I feel for him, but mid-season, we're going to have a better sense of where he's at, whether or not he's on the hot seat or if things have started to truly turn around. We'll see. I don't like the knee-jerk reaction of, we didn't look good for a few preseason games, and we didn't like the way things looked last year when everybody was hurt. So it must be the coach's fault. I think sometimes we get put too much in the mindset of it's this one thing that's causing whatever problems we see instead of opening ourselves up to the idea that there are a lot of different things that combine to create some of the issues that we see on the floor, which I believe is a more accurate way to approach it. Somebody said, Jordan can't even block a shot. Uh, DeAndre Jordan had three blocks tonight in 14 minutes. So if you're saying he's not a shot blocker, tonight's not the night for that. Uh, but again, I didn't think that he was great in that in that sense. Oh, somebody said, Trevor literally low-key took a shot at Doc Rivers. I was not thinking of Doc Rivers when I said that he's a coach who, who relates to the media well and knows what to say and what not to say and that sort of thing. That wasn't... That was not me trying to take a shot at Doc Rivers, but look, I mean, but that is an example of a coach who in the moment said the wrong thing and it created an issue with one of his players, right? You see what's going on with Ben Simmons. We see everything that's happening with, if you watch the NBA front office show, you're, you're well-versed in the Simmons siren, you know what happens. And uh, yeah, look, a coach who does not handle those situations well or makes a mistake in those situations can create a problem for the team that they have to deal with. And Frank Vogel, 99% of the time, he says the right thing. In fact, Russell Westbrook had a terrible game one. And what did Frank Vogel say? It's on me. It's not on him. 
It's on me. That was my fault for not putting him in the right spot. It's a coach sticking up for his player. And when I see things like that, I say, you know what? Frank Vogel is not perfect. He's got some issues as a coach, right? You can complain about the offense and things, but he does a lot of things really well that I think he probably doesn't get quite enough credit for too. All right. Let's get into a few more. Actually, you know what? We do need to get into the master lock of the night. We do need to get into the master lock of the night here. And this is actually a tough one because I'm pretty happy with everybody we saw on the Lakers. So we're going to have to master lock somebody here. Let's get into it. I'm going to start the graphic here. Chat, let me know. Who do you think should be put in Chris Masters finishing hold the master lock from this game? Let's go. <laughs> Never mind. My graphic no-showed on me for this one, which it does every now and then. All right. We'll adjust. We'll move on. But the master lock, some people saying it's easy. Some people saying, oh, I'm seeing Bazemore. I'm seeing Westbrook. I'm seeing Vogel. Why are we master locking so many Lakers players? No, you know who I'm master locking? It's the officials. And not that I thought they had the worst game ever, but what was that at the end? We've seen worst officiating, but my goodness. What was that that happened at the end where the Lakers had the ball and then suddenly there's 0.3 still on the clock and then they've got all these reviews taking so much time? It was a bit of a mess at the end of the game officiating, especially in a close contested game like this. That's not what you want to see from an officiating crew. I thought we saw a few surprise calls in there as well. So my master lock goes to the referees. It's a light one though. It's a light. I can't complain too much about them. I'm not master locking John Morant or anything like that. He was phenomenal. It's a light one. Just a little bit of, hey, let's clean things up towards the end of the game. I thought the referees for the most part were okay tonight, but you got to master lock somebody. So tonight for how sloppy the end of the game was, I'm going to go with the officials. Master lock Bazemore for his foul on John Morant. Yes, that would have been my runner up, but I feel good after a Lakers win. I think we're going to give the Lakers a break. We've master lock a Laker, a Laker quite a bit. So let's just go with the referees for the moment. Somebody said, make a poll for us. Yeah, when I've got a guest on, it'll be a little bit easier for me to make polls and things like that. Do that sort of stuff. Master lock Trevor's graphic. Yes, yes, I should. But I should have checked to make sure that the graphic was still in the right spot. I was working on some things and I must have just moved it to a different folder. And so that's why it wasn't there. <laughs> master lock Chris Paul. He wasn't even in this game. And still master lock Chris Paul. I could probably get on board with that. I could probably get on board. All right. We're going to do a couple more and then we'll call it a night. Again, I, I'm happy to see that the Lakers got the win. And I'm curious to see what this means moving forward because I felt like there was some frustration around the team. I felt like there was some pressure on them to finally get a win. Fans were frustrated. Players were frustrated. Does this free them a little bit? Right now, they've kind of got that. They're they're over the hump now. They've got that win. What do they look like next game? Are they able to take this and build off of it? I think that's going to be something really important to watch moving forward. They play Tuesday against San Antonio. They'll be on the road. What do you do from here? And I'm curious to see, do we see a team that plays with, I don't know, a bit more, a, a bit less of a burden on them, play with a little bit more joy? I think we haven't seen enough fun from this Lakers team in basketball can be a lot of fun. And we haven't really seen this team have fun yet. So does winning this game create fun for the Lakers? Does it allow them to play a bit more freely? That's what I'm going to look to see in the next one. We need to go on a winning streak, somebody said. I would love to see that. All right, let's do one more and then we'll call it a night here. One more and we will call it a night. Let's go with. Oh, somebody mentioned that it's Spurs, then OKC. The Lakers could be three and two for the next three games. Yeah, they could be. They could be. All right. Somebody said, who would you start next game? All right. Who should the Lakers start next game? Do you make that change? I don't think you can make the change to get DeAndre Jordan off the floor. Uh, right now because the Lakers just won a game. Uh, he did block some shots. And I think if you really think it's just not going to work, like you put him out there on the floor 
and it's not working, you can sub him out pretty quickly before too much damage is done. I think he will have some nights where he's useful. Against the Spurs, bit of a quicker team. I want to see a lot of minutes with AD at the five against the Spurs. So I'm... I'm for next game making DeAndre Jordan kind of the nominal starter where he plays a few minutes and then you sub him and you go with a smaller lineup for most of the game. I think just to kind of keep him in that rhythm, I think there are going to be some nights where you need him out there. So for the moment, I stick with it, but I'm definitely reining in those minutes quite a bit. I'm not worried about getting DeAndre Jordan the first six minutes of the first quarter and the first six minutes of the third quarter. If it's three minutes, it's three minutes. You've got to continue to pick up wins. You've got to continue to grow. I think long-term Anthony Davis at the five is going to be the solution. And when you're playing smaller teams that you want to match up with, I think you're going to go with these smaller lineups a bit more. So I'm going to just rein back DeAndre Jordan rather than make the complete switch at this moment. Let's see how the next few games look. And then perhaps if the smaller lineup really looks good, then you go ahead and you make the switch from there. All right. All right, guys. Appreciate everybody coming in, everybody joining me tonight, whether you came in from Twitter, from YouTube, from Facebook. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, make sure you do subscribe over on Apple Podcasts or follow us there, I should say, uh, and also on Spotify, pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure you are subscribed to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Uh, tomorrow morning, Keith Smith and I will have the morning after show where we're going to break down all the action across the NBA. So make sure you guys are on the lookout for that one. And uh, all you got to do is subscribe to the NBA front office YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications so you get notified when we put out that video. And that's always a lot of fun to bounce around the entire league if you want to stay up to date on what's going on with all the other teams as well as the Lakers. All right, everybody. Appreciate you coming in and joining me. Till next time, stay safe and see ya.